from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Time for football at four. Time for football that Commanders fans have been waiting a very long time for. Dennis was just telling me during the commercial break, it's it's your your brother-in-law? Yeah, my brother-in-law and my dad. Massive Commanders fans. They've they've dubbed today Commanders Day? Yes, today is officially Commanders Day for them. I guarantee you my brother-in-law is probably actually walking through this house right now just playing this. I guarantee he's painting right now. He and my dad, <laughs> I guarantee you this is exactly what they're listening to. They're celebrating the day today. On loop. Yes, on loop. The, the, the reason why that's funny is because uh, the NFL was specific in that today there's going to be a special meeting, uh, a special league meeting to hopefully approve the new ownership for the commanders, but they were vague enough to not give a time. Of course. So commanders fans are just pins and needles, just waiting, right? The, the assumption is it's going to happen. Well, you know, you know, the Commanders fans are also thinking, like, you know what? He would find a way. Exactly. He's going to he's gonna, still be the owner. Of he's going to ruin team. this at the last he, second. Exactly. Because that's all we've known since 1999 when that guy's taken over. That's what they're saying. And I think it was 1999 and a half. There was there was four or five five months where they thought, you know, local guy, this Dan Snyder, he's yeah. local. He's got he's fresh energy. It's new. It's going to be great. About 99 and a half pre Y2K, they were like, oh man, uh oh. Never the same. This century. The thing is, whenever the news does come out, and I expect it's going to come out that the the other owners have approved uh, the the new ownership, Dan Snyder will be gone. And that right there, like if if we just stopped the conversation, that right there would probably be enough to to have Commanders fans riding high for a while. I, I saw an an online um like a like a. A list, and they had voted on it. it some sports media, I think it was the one hundred six seven guys up in up in DC, uh, saw a listing where they ranked the best non game days in Washington DC sports history. So like the best days, obviously like winning the Super Bowl was was would have been number one, or winning the Stanley Cup would have been number or the World Series. But they they said like not a game day. They had things like uh, the day the Expos were relocated to Washington became the the. Nationals, the day the Capitals drafted Alex Ovechkin was up there. They had all of these kind of like, you know, around gameplay days that were ranked. And number one was today. Number one really was the day that Dan Snyder is gone. Not when John Riggins broke a big fourth down run against the Dolphins. Well, no, it, was, it was non-gameplay. Oh, it non-game. was non-gameplay. Okay, non-game. So, yes, it, like the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Stanley Cup would have would gotcha. have obviously okay. – have the Wizards ever won? Nope. Nope. Uh, previous iterations were bullets. I don't. You have to go back decades, no, centuries, even. Uh, but of all the other days, they said today was number one. So the celebration is going to happen regardless, because you know, you know, I've voiced some concerns about the way Josh Harris has managed some of the teams that he owns. But the number one thing for for Washington fans right now isn't that Josh Harris is great; it's that Josh Harris is not Dan Snyder. Right, like he should have a business card that says Josh Harris, owner or uh, majority owner, Washington Commanders, Philadelphia 76ers, New Jersey Devils, not Dan Snyder, and that would be enough to to you know not pay for a beer in Washington D.C. in a very long time. However, I want to let everybody know, Dan Snyder was also a little bit of a blame meat shield, 
Anything that went wrong in that franchise, anything that went wrong on the field, off the field, uh, in their you know supposedly, allegedly toxic workplace culture, anything that went wrong with the training staff, anything that went wrong with like timeout management at the end of games, anything that went wrong with drafting, free agency decisions, trades, everybody just kind of went, yeah, that's Dan Snyder. Well, mm. what are you going to do? It's Dan Snyder. Oh, well, they had to deal with their boss being Dan Snyder. Oh, they had to. It's Dan Snyder. That's gone once he's gone. Then you have to look around and you're like, a whole new era starts. And that era is going to be the first time in a long time that you can be actually critical of those in the building. Because up till now, you, you couldn't really be critical of those in the building because they had the ultimate blame meat shield. Right? If, a, if a coach failed in Washington, they would go to a podcast somewhere, all right, or they would jump on, a, a, I don't know, a YouTube stream. By the way, subscribe to us on YouTube at 99.9thefan. And they would just say, oh, it's so hard working for them. Free agents never want to come play for it. Oh, it's the, 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 the resources we were given were not anywhere near what we needed to win. And it was just so easy to say, like, oh, it's all Dan Snyder's fault. And even even fans, like if you had a player that you absolutely loved and they left the team, most fan bases turn on that player, right? Like if you have a player that is an all-pro, been with your program, been with your franchise for 8, 9, 10 years, and then they up and leave, right, free agency, demand a trade, whatever it is, normally that fan base, you know, the next time they show up, they boo that person. Trent Williams was a great offensive lineman for Washington. Yeah. Sat out a year because he didn't like the way the training staff was handling things and then went over to, to San Francisco. I guarantee you Washington fans are like, Trent Williams is still pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. They, they don't hold that against him. They're not bitter about him leaving or the burning bridges because they said, well, how can you blame him? He was disagreeing with the Dan Snyder franchise. Why is this not working? Why is that not working? Why are they not winning? Why did that player bust? Why was the field in such terrible shape? So guys were blowing out their knees in playoff games. Why did, when Jalen Hurts walk by, why did that, that railing collapse and fans tumble on top of them? Right, all of these questions up until now were answered with Dan Snyder. Mm-hmm. As of tomorrow... Assuming we get the news that everybody is very, very confident we are going to get, as of tomorrow, we're going to need real answers to those questions. Yeah. If you're not winning, why? You can't just say because of Dan Snyder. It's the lingering effects of Dan Snyder. See? That, you got that for a year. I was going to say, there, there's probably some some wake left in the past. Yeah, exactly. There's you, the yeah, ripple effect. A year or two. A year or two. Yeah. But then you're going to have to have real answers, mm-hmm. right? Then you're going to have to have like actual tangible reasons for why things aren't going well if they're going well or if they're not going well. And, and you know, you can't blame Snyder forever. Although I'm sure some some still will, even if they're like, no, I need the coach to do better. But also 15 years ago, Dan Snyder was our owner, so I'm putting a little bit on him. <laughs> 25 years ago, Dan Snyder was the owner. We're talking like in 2046. And 25 years ago, Dan Snyder was still the owner. We're still getting over it. We're still we're not fully we're not fully over the effects of yeah. Dan Snyder, which is there. There's some truth to that. I, I mean, I'm not going to say it's completely un, not factual. Do you think? I'm trying to think of other bad owners in the past. 
Really, the bad owners hang on for a long time. They really do. I'm trying to, like, maybe Marge shot. She was with the, the Reds, right? Are they still feeling the effects? Maybe. I don't know. They got Ellie, Ellie De La Cruz, so maybe maybe it's just being lifted as we speak now. Uh, uh, the uh, former Suns owner. Oh, oh actually, there's a the bunch. Former Donald Sterling. Yeah. You're right. There there have been a bunch recently. Um, yeah, I don't I'm, Are the Clippers – the Clippers might still be – there probably some, some people still blaming, like, injuries to Kawhi Leonard on Donald Sterling. Yeah, I would. The Suns are probably like, you know, Chris Paul would have won a championship with us if it wasn't for, was it Sarver? Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe they're still within the wake, though. They're, they're still kind of nearby. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. At the ACC football kickoff, bringing you all the best interviews and insights as we get ready for ACC football season. And the the interesting part is actually just by showing up and looking around and identifying who's there with us, we're going to learn a little bit about the teams and what they're bringing to the table this year. Mm -hmm. By the way, Riley Leonard, who is going to be in attendance uh, for Duke, they're the their quarterback starter, uh, will be joining our show on the phone lines, the the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. A little bit later on in the show, about 4:45. So stick around for that. We'll we'll get a jump start on setting the table for for ACC football season with with Riley Leonard in a little bit. Who you bring to to media days as a team as a coach matters, and coaches. I don't know if if <laughs> this is sarcasm to the the hundredth degree. Um, college football coaches are control freaks. College coaches, uh, head coaches especially. Um, are control freaks, right? They like to know to the minute when pregame meal is going to be. They want to know to the minute who's going to to uh, pick up the, the, I don't know, order for donuts for the coaches on Monday when they're watching film. They, they, they just, it, it makes them feel good to know absolutely everything going on. So if you think there wasn't at least a debate or, or an open conversation with all the coaches in the room about which three players each of these, these ACC teams are going to bring, you're crazy. So we can learn what those conversations ended up bearing the fruit of, right? Like, who is going to end up at the media days? Well, we know the names, right? Uh, we'll stick with Duke since Riley's coming up on, on the show. Yeah, uh, Riley Leonard quarterback Dwayne Carter defensive lineman uh, and Jacob Monk offensive lineman a local guy Clayton North Carolina mm -hmm. the reason I bring this up is a few things one if you don't have your quarterback there I think that says that there is very very much uncertainty at quarterback mm -hmm. so Riley Leonard there is is solidifying enough and matter of fact uh, kind of all of the schools in, in our area are bringing their quarterback that would be North Carolina obviously Drake May uh, makes sense states bringing Brennan Armstrong and Wake Forest is bringing Mitch Griffiths. The The interesting part is, if you look at those four schools, Duke, Carolina, State, and Wake, 
all of their quarterbacks, that covers like the gamut of possible starting situations, right? You have one player coming off a transfer. Mm -hmm. You have one player stepping up into the place, like a, a new starter, but promoted from within. That's Griffiths from Wake Forest. You have the established Heisman Trophy candidate in Drake May, and you have the established team leader in, in Riley Leonard that we've talked about kind of going into the, under the radar in the background of, yeah. of the ACC. But he deserves probably more spotlight. Those are four different teams, four very different situations for their quarterback, four very different personalities of coach, and they all obviously said, ha, huh, quarterback, you're coming with me. Right? That's the scene from Friday Night Lights where the, the starter gets hurt, the starting quarterback gets hurt. I'm talking about the TV show. The uh, starting quarterback gets hurt, so then at the beginning of overtime, the coach sends the backup quarterback out there as a captain, and the only thing he needs to say is, my quarterback's a captain. Right, It's a position that inherently comes with leadership. So you look at Georgia Tech, Louisville, and Virginia Tech, and you look at their three that they're bringing, and there's no quarterbacks. I'm going, oh, they have uncertainty, uncertainty. Right, they don't. It, that's not one of those quarterback competitions that's for show right quarterback competitions a lot of times coaches just like to spew things like competition makes everyone better every every position is up for grabs then they get to media days and they're like no we're bringing just one of you quarterbacks and it's and it's you come on it's like oh this wasn't a competition was it the uncertainty of that position makes me nervous yeah yeah if your quarterback's coming that guy's your starter exactly well i mean and also if you don't know who your starter is you're you're probably not bringing it just because you're probably not bringing either or because you don't want to bring the wrong one right you don't want to have all your preseason information come from quarterback a and quarterback b ends up starting and then it's it's a whole who's running the show who's the leader who should everyone look to it becomes very difficult oh yeah the other thing is this is ready for this this is where this is where we break a whole bunch of uh very very you know inside insider information that nobody knows media days are about the media huh yeah there you go they're about putting something forward to the public right they're about going to the reporters that are going to take your your story back to their followers they're about talking to shows like this one the drive and 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 deciding what message and what players you want to present to the triangle Right, that using us as a conduit to get to all of you is what media days are about. It's about the media. So uh, you bring what you want to attract. What do I mean by that? I mean, you bring what you want to appeal to. If you want offensive line and defensive line, right? You want to build through the trenches. You want to be a team whose identity is blue collar, up front, hard working, right? We put the offensive line on on. on the spotlight because they don't so very rarely get it guess what at media days you better bring an offensive lineman and then you can look back at the on the recruiting trail and say oh we feature our offensive line yeah we we brought one right uh here's the thing as well go ahead this is this is we're also bringing in positions like that when us as media get to meet these guys offensive linemen in particular because there's really no stats like and numbers that go with these guys well the more that we get to know them we get a name and a, and a face we recognize so we actually see this team play oh yeah i remember that guy we watch him a little bit more when it comes to all conference voting mm -hmm. those guys sometimes tend to get more votes because it's a name and face that we recognize so when it does come down to recruiting like hey 
We had multiple offensive linemen in the last several years get all conference. You could be that next person, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, that stuff does matter too. It, it, it's it's all intertwined, right? If you want great offensive linemen to come to your program, you better make sure it appears like great offensive linemen are important to you. And one of the ways you do that is bring – and I'm just using offensive line as an example, right? Looking at some of the other positions that, that the, the, the triangle teams have, have decided to, to bring along. Carolina is bringing a tight end. John Copenhaver. And and that's I mean he he's not uh Brock Bowers at least not yet, you know what I mean? He's not Kyle Pitts at least not yet. So so Carolina is obviously a school with a strong history of tight end production, right? They the the Ebrons of the world. They've had some very very good and NFL quality tight ends come through. If you want to be, you know, kind of the Iowa of the ACC cuz Iowa right now is tight end you. Uh if you want to be the Iowa of the the ACC, yeah, you're going to bring a tight end to media day. Those types of things matter. To me, you bring your quarterback, you bring your other best player, and then you bring what you want to feature. And and that that could be position, that could be like personality type. That could be uh local, right? If if you want to, uh, if you are Raleigh and you, or if you are NC State and you want to own recruiting in Raleigh, you bring a guy from Raleigh to Media Days and and say, look, we you know brought the local guy in, turned him into a star. Yeah, or from the Triangle, Peyton Wilson, Peyton, from the Triangle area, absolutely, that, that's a perfect example. Perfect example. He's also a stud too. That also helps. It helps when you know <laughs> would have been a high draft pick in the NFL, but chose to come back and yeah. lead. The, the the ACC team that gave the fewest points last season. Mm-hmm. But, yes, that, that is a, a perfect example. And now when you're talking to the local uh, high school coaches and, and you're doing that kind of networking, you say, hey, we're not just, we're not just blowing smoke at you, right? We actually do love it when, when the best local players come to our school and we help them thrive and we turn them into stars and then we send them off to the NFL to cash life-changing checks. So a lot. I mean, we know a lot about these teams already. We knew a lot about them coming in, and we're seeing about how these coaches want the team's hierarchy of leaderships and uh, to develop, and how they want their their teams to look in the future. I can't wait for the time a, a coach decides to just bring like three offensive linemen, or like uh, a center, a guard, and a defensive tackle, and just say, "Oh, we don't need a quarterback." I'm just bringing the biggest humans I know, and we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna eat on the ACC's dime for a couple of days, or or uh, you know bring three wide receivers or something, and just make it like, hey, we're wide receiver. You, I don't know, creativity. I think goes a long way in in recruiting. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Earlier this week, uh, we talked a bit about Miles Bridges and and his return to the, the Charlotte Hornets. And... Dennis, I think it was was it during, it was during Copper Drop, uh, yeah. During during one of our our features here, we brought it up, and 
it was like essentially are you copying or dropping the apology as heartfelt and and mm-hmm. you know are you accepting it kind of and i and i it's been bouncing around in my head because it's a that's a deep question right Bridges pleaded no contest in November to a felony charge that stemmed from accusations that he was that he assaulted the mother of his children in front of the children. Bridges was sentenced to three years probation. And then he apologized at this this uh, press conference a couple days ago. I have part of it in front of me. I want to apologize to everybody for the pain and embarrassment that I have caused everyone, especially my family. This comes from Bridges. This year away, I have used to prioritize going to therapy and becoming the best person I can be. Someone that my family and everyone here can be proud of. The NBA eventually, during this whole situation, uh, passed down a 30-game suspension. Determined he'll only miss 10 games of the upcoming season. uh, Giving him 20 20 games kind of time served after sitting out all 82 games a season ago. I have a few questions. First is, I do think that there needs to be some, some more action from him. I was a little disappointed, and, and I, it took me a while to put my finger on what felt incomplete about it. Uh, the apology, you know, it's fantastic, meaning it needed to be said. I wish it would have come with some form of action, meaning I wish it would have come with uh, an initiative, an organization he had been partnering with. Some like, if you are truly sorry, you kind of want to want to make it right but that you can't do that so you're just going to try your best if that makes any sense you can't go back and change the past but you want to you want to be a resource for those that are impacted and like i just wish it would have come with with some kind of charity commitment or some kind of of uh you know like i said actionable words are, are great but actions are, are are more important type deal so that was one of my questions the other way i look at it is like this the hornets have every right to bring back miles bridges Right, the the uh, Mitch Kupchak kind of is their their decision maker over there. The ownership they can look him in the eye, hear him out, and decide for themselves if they think he is the type of person they want in their organization. That's the way it works, right? If the NBA passes down a suspension, he serves the suspension. It's up to the individual teams to decide if he is the type of person they want wearing their uniform. However, in that same respect. We, meaning meaning you, I, Dennis, everyone that that is a fan or a consumer of professional sports, as as a a like uh, this side of the table participant, we have the right to decide whether we we have the right to decide whether we accept and root for him in his return or not. That's not, that's not being judgmental, right? That is that is. It's not being unfair. This is how I'll say it. It's not being unfair if you make a decision that you don't want to be in the Miles Bridges fan club. And the Hornets have to weigh that in their decision to bring him back. Right? That, it's one thing if, if you just, you know, oh, that guy rubs me the wrong way. Or one, I don't know if this is still a thing. For a while on, on, on the internet, it was a very, uh, like, trendy insult to say someone had a punchable face. And I was always going, that's not really cool, right? You, you don't know the person, right? If, if you get to know them and, and they say something to you that is derogatory, mean, insulting, and, and, and then you say, like, oh, I wish I could punch that guy, fine, right? Because then it's not judgy. It's not, it's not a, judging a book by its cover. It's they did something that makes you dislike them. However, if they haven't done anything that makes you dislike them, eh, you're kind of a jerk too. Miles Bridges was in a situation that 
or put himself in a situation where it's it's not it's not for nothing. You know what I mean? I have no problem, and I've done it, rooting for a team and hoping an individual player on that team does not do well for off-the-court reasons or off-the-field reasons or away-from-the-sport reasons where I'm going like, geez, I hope that team wins, but at the same time, I, I kind of wish the glory doesn't go to that player. And if you want to do that with Miles Bridges, that's fine. right? I, I The reason why I'm bringing it back up is because we had that segment earlier on, and it came down to, like, are you accepting the apology? Are you going to give mm-hmm. him a second chance? And I realized, you know, my answer probably was uh, a little universal. And I want to acknowledge the individualism of that decision, right? It's not – the whole fan base is not going to be in agreement either way. Just like I think if the whole the whole fan base wouldn't have been agreement if they moved on. There would have been those saying they should have uh, helped him and they should have been somebody uh, somebody that he can lean on in his, his quest to better himself. There's there's not going to be a situation where everybody is is in agreement, is a hundred percent singing kumbaya like like you know, in, in perfect harmony. So when I watch the Hornets, I I mean I'm I'm going to be rooting for them professionally for sure. It's way more fun for us when they are really, really good and LaMelo Ball becomes really, really famous and he's an all-star again and all those sorts of things. Um, but I'm not sure how I'm going to feel when when Miles Bridges has a 30-point game. You know, he averaged 20 his last time out there. He's going to have 30, 35-point games because he's he's a very talented athlete. And I'm, I think I'm just going to have to kind of withhold judgment until I uh, – until I feel that for myself. See, see, see what feelings bubble up when that happens. It's kind of like, eh, ready for the transition here? Uh, on the drive with Tim Donnelly on 99.9 The Fan. Kind of like how, uh, you know, nobody knew how Wrexham was going to play in Chapel Hill. That, that's what we call a transition. No, no one knew. Nobody, I mean, no, I mean, nobody, first of all, even knew who was going to be there. Ryan Reynolds, the rumors were there. I didn't see him. Turned out to just be rumors, right? I, I tried to get a one-on-one, but he wasn't there. You were on the field, though. I was on the field. Did that the the the, uh, the electricity kind of? It did. At any point in time, you you think like, hey, you know what? If I if anyone needs a breather, I can come on for a couple. You know, I was ready. I was ready to go out there for a couple minutes. You know, I can get I can get a little run in there. But I will say the experience in the stadium was was great. It was a, it was an absolute blast of a time. I will say this though. For the, anybody out there that went and experienced the Stadium Series game at Carter Family Stadium between the Carolina mm-hmm. Hurricanes and the Washington Capitals back in February, the parking situation <laughs> was an absolute disaster for people. Now, I was fortunate enough because we were doing broadcasts and such uh, out mm-hmm. there live at the stadium early in the day. I was out there really early, so I was able actually to beat the traffic. And by early, I mean I was out there at 10 a.m. for an 8 p.m. game for the Stadium Series. Last night, I was coming from here going to, to – yep. To UNC, I realized I had left my camera at home because I was going on the field. I was going to do some photo and video stuff. Like I left my camera at home. I saw some shots. There were just phone shots. Yeah, there were a couple yeah. phone shots. No, I, I never. I haven't actually posted any of the photos I've taken yet. But I grabbed my camera and I left my apartment. It took me ninety minutes just to get to the parking deck for where I was parking, and that doesn't include the walk from the parking deck to the actual stadium itself in Chapel Hill was a nightmare. And apparently for a lot of people that were leaving the game, just as bad of a nightmare. Now, I will say this, though. I know, understand, I've, yep. I've been to UNC football games before. I get how things can get pretty tight. But when you compound that with still rush hour traffic at the same time, 
People driving on 40 going either into Chapel Hill or trying to leave Chapel Hill or just through the area. Combine that with people just trying to get out. I, the, the parking deck I was in was right next to the hospital, and there were some nurses and other people, other doctors, physicians, assistants that were trying to leave said parking deck, and they just looked there like, I'm, I'm not getting home anytime soon. And it was an absolute mess. So I get it when people talk about this, the parking situation and getting to the stadium series was a disaster. It was kind of like that a little bit yesterday. I mean, not to really to anyone's fault. It's just what it was. I, I absolutely hate traffic leading, leaving sporting events. Yeah. Going to sporting events, I'm fine with it because, like, as long as I've given myself enough time, mm. uh, like I'm not going to miss kickoff or, or opening pitch or whatever. But uh, but leaving, it's you know, it's the whole you know, if you have an eight hour drive to vacation. It doesn't feel that long because you're just excited and you're ready to get on vacation. The eight-hour drive home feels like it's 24 hours long. Yeah. After a sporting event, you've given all your adrenaline to the game. You've 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 kind of ridden the roller coaster of a live sporting event. You get in the car. You just want to get out of there. Do you know who are the real MVPs? And I think this is uh, probably why it was a little bit different than uh, when the Tar Heels have like a like a football game. Yeah. The tailgaters are the real MVPs. Ah. Uh-huh. The ones that go back out to the parking lot. And and like fire the grill back up mm. are the real MVPs because it just kind of staggers everyone leaving. It, it I, and on a you know a Wednesday soccer game with a very kid friendly event, there probably weren't many that were going back and keeping the party rolling in the parking lot. So everybody was trying to get out at the same time, and I absolutely hate that. I hate traffic. All overall, though, it was a fun experience. I was by the by the time I got there and actually walked into the stadium. And actually got down on the field is just before the opening kick, so I missed some of the pregame festivities with the line with the with both teams coming out and all that kind of stuff. So I missed some of that. But overall, the energy in the in the building was palpable. It was a lot of fun, and everyone was just for the most part was just soaking in the experience because there are Chelsea fans who've been fans of that team for a long time that never had a chance to watch them play. I know it wasn't their top guys for the most part, but. They still got to watch their favorite football team play. Or a lot of people are fans of Wrexham because of the, uh, mm-hmm. the TV show. And you know what? Got to experience it. And it doesn't matter what the outcome of the game was. It was an experience. It was a fun one. And it ain't going to happen again anytime soon in this area. So you know what? Enjoy it for what it was. Hopefully they do come back, though. Hopefully. Oh, absolutely. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.